Welcome to Refuge Radio. I'm Gaines Taylor, he, him. And I'm Brendan Bell, he, him. And I'm Piper Jones, uh, they, them. Happy Pride Month, everyone, as well. Yes, happy Pride. Yeah, so we're really excited, obviously, this month and every Pride Month and every month because every month should be Pride. Um, But, like, we thought we'd do something a little different this uh, this month and this episode. And what we're going to do is reflections on pride. And we're going to do this, which is very different for us. We're almost going to do borderline liturgy tonight. Um, <laughs> we joked around last episode about how we thought we were going to close it out in prayer. We're not going <laughs> to do that. But like this is, we're going to take a poem and go through the poem uh, through stanzas and discuss how that fits in with things. So we're going to talk through this poem, but talk through the ideas of pride through celebration, pride through the pain that comes through pride, that when we think of the pain that has come through the generations with pride through the queer community that's affected it, and the pain that the queer community is going through currently and how that impacts our thoughts right now. And then we're going to be talking about the unity and healing that we think about and reflect on with pride. And so all those we're going to look at through this poem. Um, Any additional thoughts from you? No, I'm just jazzed to get into it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this poem is uh, by Jay Hume and um, wonderful poet. Uh, it's from the book, The Backwater Sermons. I highly recommend if you haven't read it, check it out. It's beautiful. Um, and the poem is called Jesus at the Gay Bar. And Pip, you're going to read it through for us. And then yep. we're going to go stanza to stanza. And uh, so this should be really really fun and neat and reflective and so we hope you enjoy this and just have this a time of a peaceful time with us and just reflective time so uh this is jesus at the gay bar he's here in the midst of it right at the center of the dance floor robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin At some point in the evening, a boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this, and he will reach his arms out, sweat damp and weary from dance. He'll cup this boy's face in his hand and say, my beautiful child, there is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. So now we're going to look at the first stanza in the mindset and reflection of celebration. So Brendan, can you read this first stanza, please? Again. Yeah. He's here in the midst of it, right at the center of the dance floor, robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin. I just think that paints such a fun and just whimsical picture. Like, because we've all been in like those like dance hall settings, you know, where it's just like, you get to just let loose and be who you are and just enjoy the, the music, the environment, whatever, and just how free that feeling is. And that's one of the most beautiful things about Pride to me is that it's a collective celebration of everything that we've grown through and everything we've gone through and to just be able to express who we are so completely and so 
it's an almost electric feeling, you know? Yeah. What about y'all? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I weirdly, like, this time started thinking of this guy in my town and just, like, that that electric feeling, that joy on the dance floor and just, like, I am not a dancer. I am a wallflower. <laughs> and so, but I love, I, like, just being in that atmosphere and the music and in the midst of it, like, I can relate to that a lot. But I'm just thinking of this guy who he is out there and just, you know, dancing and spinning and all that. And like, it's just the joy and celebration of everyone celebrating their way on the dance floor, you know, metaphorically, air Mm -hmm. quotes, because no one can see it except for us. Um, And it's just like, yeah, there's a beauty to that, too, and the difference of in the midst of it my brain is just going to like um this it doesn't have a lot to do with pride specifically but it just takes me back to my roots my evangelical roots and the idea of jesus being at the center of any dance floor is just very like that's not no no way yeah you just remind me of I don't remember if it's Tomlin or what but there is the song God's Great Dance Floor and that's all that's in my head right now I do not remember that but that sounds very delightful I am alive on God's Great Dance Floor (laughs) my guess is David Crowder just taking a shot in the dark I would have to google it (laughs) doesn't doesn't Jesus know if he's on the dance floor he's gonna um someone's getting pregnant no, yeah, he's got to like, leave room for himself. God. Yeah, literally. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> leave room for the Holy Spirit, Jesus. No, he's, he, it says right here, he's hitching up his robe so he can just really throw it back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yes, it makes me, it's making me, it just flat, it takes me back there. And I love, and it to me, there's always like, and I know, I think we've talked about this before. There's this, image of a god or a divine or this being outside of ourselves and there is an image that i hope is true and an image i fear is true mm. and i feel like there's such a there's strains of both in the bible <laughs> for mm. sure um but i there is this this god i hope is true that i fell in love with and like I love the the name. This is I'm. I feel like I'm like preaching sermon now. But like Emmanuel, God with us. Like th- this is like God in the midst of us, and it's like this idea of um, when we think of God at Pride or Jesus at Pride or any sort of divinity or divine being um, at an LGBTQ plus event. It's like in our hearts we're so conditioned to see them above it, judging it, looking down, being like, how dare you, condemnation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just love this picture of a divine being that is not doing that and is instead in the midst of us, with us. And I feel like that is like the gospel in a nutshell. Like mm. we, we, we viewed God as above us, separate from us, And instead we have incarnation, which is God with us, God among us, God in the midst of us. And so it's like, why, why is that different? 
like at Pride? Why is that different for the LGBTQ plus community? What is, what is so different from us that makes us inhuman to the rest of the world? Mm-hmm. Um, now I feel like I'm moving into the second stanza. Well, but- <laughs> we're going to get into it. Yeah. But I, I just think I love the idea that, uh, that there is this being, this divine being that is celebrating with us at Pride and is in the midst of us. Because that's, that's the thing about Pride, though, is that it's it's so much celebration, but at the same time, it's kind of a melancholy time to remember those who didn't make it here to celebrate with us. Mm. And here, the, the second stanza says, at some point in the evening, a boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this. And like, when you gains are saying that we were going to talk a little bit about kind of the the inherent sadness that comes along with pride. I am really feeling that today because legit a year ago today, we buried my friend Zach DeYoung who did a drag up here in St. Cloud, Minnesota under the name Tanya Tootsie Roll. And they never really released the cause of his death, but it was very like, he made such an impact on so many different people just by being exactly who he was, which unabashed like, queer fabulous drag queen like specifically look horror core so tapping a little bit into like the the more spooky elements and honestly inspired so many to go into the art form of drag as well including my friend lady jaw who in zach's honor put together my small town's first ever drag show two months ago and just to know the impact that people make and that even if they aren't around to see that lasting impact, the legacy of so many strong and beautiful queer people is just like, it's hitting me extra hard this season, you know? Yeah. I hear what you're saying too, Pip. In a sense, it feels like celebration and the pain almost go hand in hand because Mm -hmm. it's like the celebration is, it's almost like, so when I was in my, uh, evangelical ministry. Um, I was a part of a missions organization called Youth with a Mission or YWAM. And we would always say, um, walk in the opposite spirit. So it's like when when you are feeling like um, someone is being stingy with you, I don't know, you would walk in the opposite spirit. So you would show generosity. And um, I feel like there's this principle of like, we are oppressed and we are in many, we are taught by society that we are less than. And pride as celebration is in in many ways walking in the opposite spirit of that. We're saying we are who we are, we love who we are. And we're gonna celebrate that. And they're over here. The reason why we're celebrating that is because you are telling us, and by you, I mean society, that we are undeserving of celebration. Yeah. Well, and hi, the, the idea to begging to be healed, begging to be anything other than this is like, I had to do some research because I was part of a, a, a panel at, as, at a local church's uh, pride service this past week. And in preparing for that, I came across these statistics that like, in the uh, Trevor Project's 2022 National Health or National Survey on LGBTQ plus uh, youth mental health specifically, like the impact that simply 
having a loving and affirming space can have on a queer kid is just staggering to me because it's like this study found that 45% of LGBTQ youth had seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth. And like the, the research also suggested that among these youth, only one third of them experience parental accept, acceptance, uh, an additional third experience the complete rejection from their family. And the, the remaining third just don't bother coming out until they're adults because they don't feel safe doing so. And I'm just like, can you imagine how much less <laughs> trauma people would come into adulthood with if they just had loving and affirming people around them to begin with and weren't told that who they are is inherently flawed or sinful or like wrong just for how they love or how they choose to present themselves you know it's mildly infuriating <laughs> at best yeah but, yeah that's kind of <laughs> way of saying that <laughs> yeah it's like 36% of these youth reported that they have been physically threatened or harmed due to either their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And 73% reported that they had experienced discrimination based on their sexual orientation or gender identity at least once in their lifetime. And these are youth. These are kids. Yeah. They are yeah. like growing up in an atmosphere that is not supportive of just them being who they are. And I know what that's like 100% because like I talked about in our last episode, I was bullied pretty relentlessly for being queer before I even figured out that I was. Like, I, I remember when I was in uh, high school choir, it was a day of silence or whatever. And we were participating in that as like allies at the time to kind of speak out without speaking uh, against the, uh, the harassment and bullying and just silence that kids have to put over like who they are in certain spaces and I got a failing grade from my choir teacher which like makes sense because it's choir and you kind of have to sing in order to participate but at the time it just felt like no okay we are just going to continue to silence what you are saying here um or <laughs> legit I was actually like physically thrown into a dumpster once and called dyke and it's like why Sorry. is this allowed you know well and it's interesting to look back on because even though I hadn't figured out who I was yet those who like had and were out and proud about it had it so much worse than me and I'm just like if yeah. there's ways that we can change that atmosphere and to make people realize that hey this isn't the evil that you think it is it's literally just a different way of being there's, there's got to be some way that we can make it so no one ever has to feel like they have to be healed or anything other than this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, was thinking about a conversation I had with someone from high school who I haven't talked to in, I, I don't do math, but, like, a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, graduated 05, so whatever that is, 15 years, something like that. Yeah, 17. But, 17, yeah. Um, I, I only know that math off the top of the, my head because I graduated 2012 and we're having our 10-year reunion this weekend. I yeah. feel like a dinosaur. Yeah, but they're not queer, but they we, we were good friends in high school and I was not out in high school. And like we got to talking because they had seen a bunch of stuff I was putting on Facebook with Refuge and and they were telling me some things that were going on in their life at the time 
that I knew nothing about. And it was just, they made the point that was like, if we only knew what each other were going through and how much we could have been better support for each other. And we were like pretty good friends. And it was just like, it, it hurts. Cause kind of to your point, it's like, what can we do to better these situations? And it's mildly infuriating, as you said, <laughs> to put it lightly. I, I mean, I, I feel like I, the mildly has been removed from my vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary from mildly is a word I don't think I use too much anymore. But like, it's yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Um, another friend of mine has said she's like, I hope my kids never have to come home and are like afraid of who they bring home. Like in the, in the sense of afraid of me meeting or explaining who they bring home. Like, and I thought that was like such a good attitude to have as a parent and like, but you know, and that's probably one of the best attitudes or mindsets or whatever you want to say that it's just like, I hope they're happy and loving the person they love and can just feel comfortable. But it's like, Oh, why don't more people think like that? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't know. And I don't, it, it's like, how do you change a whole si- systems? Cause it's not just one yeah. system. It's, it's multiple. I think the celebration of it is so important. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a, as you all know, I'm a social worker. So I, and, um, most of my, the clients that I work with are um, queer. And so I always try to encourage them to go to pride. And it's just such a, meaningful is kind of like a a, it sounds like a cheap word to kind of describe what it is for them to go to a pride event or to be able to feel celebrated especially for those who live in like rural areas where they may be uh, out as trans and just even if they're not overtly bullied you know they might be working somewhere and they get looks and they get disgusted glares and Mm -hmm. people don't want to be served by them things of that nature and um, to go to be able to have a space where it's like not only is who you are acceptable but even like five steps beyond that who you are is celebrated who you Mm -hmm. are is good who you are is beautiful like there is just there's nothing else really like that and uh, I just think the marriage of these two things of the pain and the celebration is just so important with pride because um, we need to celebrate in order to be able to cope with the pain and to um, find the support to heal from the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, people are all at different stages too. So, you know, I think it's important to note that Pride may not look like going to a parade for everyone, and some people aren't in that position yet. Like, and that's okay too. Like, if people are still in the closet, but celebrating pride, they're, you know, a different way, that's fine, you know. But if you can find a way to celebrate yourself and celebrate who you are fully, that's so important to live as fully as you can. Like, I mean, ideally be with others, like that is the ideal, but like, I know I came out a little later in life and for me before I was out, out, it was like 
watching Queer as Folk reruns <laughs> and like other shows, but like that's how I could like kind you know part of it. It's like okay, I'm starting to embrace this and celebrate, and this is not wrong. You know, this is like I can be all these things. All these things are who I am, but community is so important and to go to parades or go to whatever you know pride isn't one specific thing I don't yeah yeah to me it's so important to remember uh not only like those we personally know who aren't able to celebrate with us anymore but like historically the the path that was paved for us to be able to be as out and proud as we currently are um whether that's throwing it all the way back to Stonewall or if that's like just looking historically at how things have evolved over the past six decades um, to look at like having grown up in this much more accepting environment than you would have had even back in the 80s when the AIDS epidemic was such a problem and to see how that experience is so different from where we're at now and that we would not have the lifestyle that we are able to have these days without the sacrifice of so many like that came before us it's absolutely staggering to me to think of like I am able to be vocally queer on the internet because of so many who came before me you know who who made who we are more normalized even if it's not like completely accepted everywhere because there's still places in the world where it is illegal to be queer it really makes me value what we have and everything we still have yet to accomplish in terms of rights because they're still trying to legislate us in various different ways across even this country and to look at that uh and think okay how can i change those minds because they were able to change so many different minds to get us where we are because it would have been unheard of back in the 60s for queer marriage to be like a legal thing that is respected by the federal courts you know it's just a yeah. lot <laughs> it is a lot and i think that's a good perspective to have pip because i was i literally have conversations on the regular with people and i i had one conversation recently where um someone was telling me they're like i am out later in life now because it now feels safe for me to be out mm -hmm. and it hadn't felt safe for me and so it's like, we have definitely come a long way. And just in these past few years, I think society has really shifted um, towards being more queer affirming and to being more accepting. And it, it does feel like we are like at that 900 yard line. And it's like, how are we going to go to that, like, to the full like kilometer? Like, how are we gonna? How I was are gonna we gonna say gonna you're making sports metaphors, and I don't I am, understand I am, any and of I'm them. Totally right I'm totally mixing them. <laughs> I was, I was like, that's very... that's a lot longer than a normal football field. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm thinking more in like sports game. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking 900 meters, not yards, yeah. and like a kilometer track is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> so this metaphor is falling we apart. Eventually, we're, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what I'm saying is it feels like we are like closer than ever to being like a queer affirming culture. And yeah. so it's like, how, how do we make that next step? Like what is, what is going to be the thing that um, pushes us over the edge? And I don't know.
This is me just wishing I could bippity boppity boop it into reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take. I'm not a sociologist, (laughs) but I do think that the more we are able to openly celebrate who we are and do that in a way that people see, I I think that is really what it's going to take is people need to see us. People need to, to know us and to know that we aren't scary and that we aren't threatening and mm-hmm. that we just want to be respected and we just want to be seen as the same as everybody else. Yeah. And, and not like the same, cause we're not the same. We're different. Obviously we're different, but I mean, treated the same in, in terms of given equal opportunities for respect, equal opportunities for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I'm just like, if everyone was of the same mindset that I am, where it's just like, oh yeah, no matter who you are or what you're about, like you deserve peace, love and happiness and respect. Like, and I'm not going to do anything to impede that for you. You do you, I'll do me and we, we can all just party. But uh, not everyone thinks that way. <laughs> no, no, that would be no. nice though. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the dream. <laughs> There's the gold star mark. We'll just keep shooting darts at it and see how many we can. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think knowing people for anything is the big one, mm. you know, it's, it's those conversations and stuff. I mean, it's, it's more than just that, but cause I think you can easily hit the wall of like agree to disagree and all that. But like, I think having conversations and re- relationships with people is such a big factor. Oh yeah. And, and, building community like that just among allies even I have a good friend who like he worked at a place that was non-affirming I need to be careful where (laughs) he's not there anymore but still (laughs) no doxing um yeah yeah so (laughs) but uh anyway used like his spot to really make sure where some theology some unaffirming or some side b theology like Mm was potentially going to be worked into a mentoring program. And he's like, Hey, let's not do that. I don't think you're the best person to like do this. Cause it would just be perpetuating like a oppressive environment at this location. So it's like, we need people like that who like build relationships and friendships and who actually learn and care about each other and who celebrate pride and who celebrate alongside and you know fully affirm who are like no that's wrong you know well even just being willing to have hard conversations with people who might not even jive with the idea of people being queer you know it's uh one of the things I got to do as part of the pride service was be a part of a panel of answering questions that people might be feel too awkward about asking in person so they were all anonymous or whatever but a lot of times people are more open to learn and change their mind on things than you might expect it's a lot easier to change those minds if you are having a a one-on-one conversation versus if you're just arguing about the capital g gays online you know but just sitting down and like explaining like no this is how this works versus like how you think might think it works sort of thing like this is what this gender identity means specifically and this is 
this person's approach to relationships in general versus like we don't have the the capital g gay agenda uh or at least i haven't gotten my copy of it yet so right, i'll send it over oh, send thank it. you <laughs> in my inbox yeah but just like leveling with people and like having that heart connection versus just kind of like yelling at the wall of the internet you mm. know which is fun sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just want to rage, rage against the dying of life. <laughs> it's fun and always productive. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It always gets you somewhere. <laughs> like, there are reasons I'm not, like, that loud about theology or, like, LGBT anything online just because I don't have the the patience to deal with people in my comment section being shitty. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, hi, it, it's someone's job to educate you today. It is not mine. But then there are also times where I will take the time and effort to do so. It's again finding who can I engage with that's going to respond in a respectful manner because there are people who are just out there who want to cause trouble to entertain themselves or who just want to fart that there are only two genders whatever um and then not actually have a discussion to understand the diversity of gender identity as a spectrum yeah but hi that's that's a different can of worms we could get into it another <laughs> I, I'm curious, this is kind of going in like a different direction. We can but tangent, just, we've got time. Just thinking about pride, is there a moment you all can remember? And it can be at during pride month or at a pride or not at a pride where you remember for maybe the first time or one of the first times you felt like you could freely celebrate who you were. I want to say one of the first times I watched a Torch Song trilogy, which I, I think I watched for the first time when I was very young, but it's a uh, film adaptation of a play that I want to say dropped in the 80s, um, starring Harvey Firestein as a uh, drag queen named Arnold in, uh, again, 1980s New York. And just like that, the telling of his story is a very like dramatic and traumatic one because he's facing like a lack of acceptance from his mother, but also just general homophobia in that era. And just the expression of a queer story that doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. I don't know why this is like what cemented like, I know this is a, a valid way to experience life and to be unapologetically who you are consequences be damned maybe it's just that I've always been a little bit fueled by spite but like the idea that you don't have to apologize for being exactly who you are is kind of the message that really shines through in that for me and so that I guess <laughs> it's beautiful iconic piece of uh, queer media highly recommend watching it if you haven't I think for me, it was the first time, like, I went to, when I moved home from Colorado, and it was the first time I went to, like, a gay bar in Philly, because that's the first time I ever went to a gay bar, and, like, I was just, it was like Spider-Man is the multiverse when the things go off, and they're like, you're like <laughs> me. Like, it was literally just, like, I felt so comfortable. It was, like, sensory overload, but it was just, like, I feel at home like and it was just like I was on a date and like 
you know, it, everything was like kind of, it, it was just, yeah, that moment of I'm home. Like, I know, I don't know these people, but I'm, I'm like, I don't have to be afraid here. I don't have to be afraid of people knowing my secret because it's not a secret here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there was just this comfort to it. What about you? What about you, Brendan? I feel like I have two moments. One, I remember when I was living in Brisbane, Australia, there was this church that was like not a church. I mean, it's a, it was definitely a church, but it was it was really more like a faith community sort of vibe. It's like you met, we met, we had a meal. It was in like a um, indigenous like art studio. It was really cool. And um, we met, we had a meal and then we would um, do like a couple worship songs and then someone would maybe do like a 10 minute teaching. And then we would spend like 20 minutes in like a small group talking about the teaching. And that was a really cool way to do church, but it was like the first place I allowed myself to be gay, where it was like, I knew it was an open and affirming faith community. And I went there specifically because I wanted to explore what that was like. And so I can't even explain, I mean, I don't probably need to explain to the two of you, but to the listening audience, I can't even explain to you how freeing and beautiful and meaningful it was to be in a space where I got to meaningfully process spirituality, faith, and I could bring my whole self there. And all of that was welcome. And it wasn't just welcomed, it was celebrated. That was, that was the first time I feel like I really allowed myself to be celebrated and to celebrate myself. And the other time, is sort of silly, but not silly, but I will never forget. So I feel like when God, the universe, the divine, however you want to define it, speaks to me, they often speak to me through things that I love, which is books, music, and movies. (laughs) I feel you. Hi, I could could do an entire, like, here's my pop culture theology. Like, let's talk (laughs) about seeing God in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I'm, this is, sorry, we need to do a side series on that. But anyway, Brendan, you're a big, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I also love Disney. So I'm like a Disney gay, basically. And I um, was listening to the song. So I have like a, Um, some Disney songs on like my Broadway playlist classic and one of those songs is the song he lives in you from the Lion King but not the movie but from like the stage show version which is such a good song if you haven't listened to it you need to listen to it right now it's um, Rafiki sings it during the part of the movie where um, Simba is about to see his father again after um, he's died and so yeah spoilers i mean, you haven't seen this movie in like 30 years since it's been out but yeah, spoilers. the movie came out in like 92 <laughs> it's older than i am i'm sorry yeah <laughs> it's older than most of the listening audience by yeah. <laughs> and so basically i just had this like profound moment i was just driving somewhere i was on a highway the song came on and i just started like weeping and this was like after i had come out 
And I just felt this like profound sense that it's like, I am still a part of God. God mm-hmm. is still a part of me. Nothing has changed. Nothing at all has changed. And it was like, I don't know if you all have ever had that experience where you just feel like every word of a song suddenly comes alive. And it's like speaking directly into your soul. It was like that moment for me. And um, it was such a meaningful moment. And I always think about that when I think of my journey in terms of like celebrating myself for who I am. That just really kind of like hits me with the the last stanza of this though. Because, yeah. and he will reach his arms out, sweat damp and weary from dance. He'll cup this boy's face in his hand and say, my beautiful child, there is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. And that idea of just like knowing that you are still at home in this thing, you know, is yeah. just such a beautiful thing. I remember the first time I ever came out to someone in my church circle was my beautiful friend, Bria. Uh, And I had finally landed on, okay, I do want to use they, them pronouns. I'm definitely not a cis woman. I was kind of trying to figure out what exactly my label was, but we were legit like tearing down after a Sunday morning service. And I like just had to tell her this, like I hadn't like fully figured out exactly what my language for myself was, but I knew that like she of all people was a safe person to say this to. And just the immediate like reaction of joy from her and just the celebration of being exactly who I am and still being loved for exactly who I am. She was like, there's nothing that's changed about you. You're still my, my pippers. And I'm like, this is delightful, thank you just again when someone truly sees you for who you are and calls you loved is such a special thing and whether that's like an actual person or between you and the divine like it's just again my my heart feels very effervescent talking about this if that makes sense like a, a can of soda that's just shaken up and like ready to burst it's a special thing I think like one of those I don't know if you two remember it, but like Rob Bell did these Numa videos way back when. Oh yeah. Ever, oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's one that like I I haven't seen it in forever, but every time I like because every group was using them at the time, but like there's one where he says something to the degree of like there's nothing you could do to make God love you less, and like. I would cry every time we'd watch that because it it would hit me, you know, just it's a similar sentiment to the end of the poem here. And it's, yeah, because it it felt like this, you know, because I I was, I felt very much like I needed to like be anything other than what I was. And so hearing that, um, and in that video, he just repeats it and repeats it. It's like, oh yeah, it was just being, helping me to be okay with who I was. I feel like this goes like, to me, it just always goes back to the gospel message. And I, and for my listening audience, when I say gospel message, I don't mean 
Jesus dying on the cross for your sins gospel. I mean the message that we are loved unconditionally as we are, and that we are so worthy of love that this thing, whatever this being that created us, whatever that looks like, it wants to be a part of us rather than above us. The idea of re- reclaiming, okay, we're, we're going to pray us out now. Oh, we're reclaiming uh, this liturgy format, whatever. Uh, my brain is stuck on a uh, Hillsong song right now. And I'm like, why this? But again, the, the message within the song, um, it's, uh, I know there's a place I belong where I'll see the fullness of love, a child face to face with my God lost in your endless wonder. And that's just like bouncing in my head right now. And I'm like, why am I stuck on this? Here we are. I guess because in a way that's like just how I feel about pride and where I'm at theologically right now, because with everything else stripped away, it is very much about that unconditional love that like there's a potency to being able to express exactly who you are and not have to hold any part of you back and to still be again received in the arms of love like the idea that you can be whoever you are and not have to worry about, okay, what are they going to say about me? What are, what are people thinking about me? What if I do this? What if I do that? Like it's you just being exactly as you were created to be is worthy of love and respect and peace and happiness and getting to fully experience and express and celebrate that is such a powerful thing. There's something to be said when it's just like, go out the door and be you, you know, you don't have to impress anyone. You don't have to wear the uniform that you've been told you have to wear, you know, just go be you. It's like, uh, if to the listeners, if you don't follow on Instagram or social media, naked pastor, go do that right now. But he's got this great cartoon where it's, uh, the rainbow sheep and like someone's trying to put he has a lot of variations of the same thing but it's like there's one where it's a they're trying to shave the rainbow not cotton but fur off the sheep and it's just rainbow down to the core and it's just a queer sheep down to the core and it's like there you can't hide that you can't you know there's no getting rid of that and just being yourself this I don't know if I'm even making sense right now, but like, just like being your core self, being who you are fully is so liberating and freeing and the most like, I mean, and it's Mm -hmm. the most walking into the fullness you can be. And it's the most beneficial to the people around you that you love. I'm going to read this one last time then, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Jesus at the gay bar. He's here in the midst of it, right at the center of the dance floor. Robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin. At some point in the evening, a boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this. And he will reach his arms out, sweat damp and weary from dance. He'll cup the boy's face in his hand and say, my beautiful child, There is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. I'm curious to hear maybe your thoughts on, y'all's thoughts on one last thing. 
in terms of when I hear this poem, I think back to me 10, 15 years ago. And I think there is this part of me that's like, this is too good to be true. And I think there is like this, mm. yeah. I, I think it's so much easier for us as a culture to embrace things like hellfire and brimstone or an idea of a divine being that punishes us. Because I mean, and this has now come from a mental health perspective, our brains have a negativity bias. Um, our brains are here to keep us alive. They're not here to keep us happy. So it's gonna be easier for our brains to believe something negative than it is to believe something positive. So that's just like a reality of life in general. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to something like divinity or divine beings, to read this, it feels too good to be true. And so I guess my last question for you all is, what would you say to yourself five, 10, 15 years ago, the you that reading this would say, this is too good to be true or something along those lines? I'm thinking of a specific time in my life when I would want to hand this to me, uh, to my past self. And I, I can think of this time when I, mm -hmm. I was currently attending Liberty University and in chapel and just like totally just crushed at the moment. And just like, why is this happening to me? Like, why, you know, just like take these, you know, evangelical language, take these chains off me, all that, you know, type stuff. And I'm thinking if I could go back and hand this to myself, then it, it would be like, how, you know, can this be true? Like, what, how can I believe this? What? And I would want it to be. And I, I don't know if I'm, I even have a good answer. And I think with how I am, there would at least have to be a level of like, I'm not sure this is true, but I have to find out if it is. If there's the possibility that this is true, then I need to go find out because I can't mm -hmm. live this other way. I can't live in this like grief that I'm in now. And this seems like a hell of a ton better than how I'm living right now. So <laughs> if, if Jesus is going to, comfort me like this that there's nothing that needs to be healed then I'm gonna try to find that I think that's what 19 year old me would take away from this poem yeah I, I feel like if you were to have handed this to 10 years ago Piper it would have I the idea that like a lot of the painful shit I went through could have been avoided if I had just had a different mindset always kind of messes me up a little bit because uh, again there, there was so much that I endured in that growth process that like I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not gone through those experiences but at the same time it's like there's this idea that's been popping up pretty frequently on my TikTok feed lately that the person you are today is the person that younger you needed and to think like, again, it's a, a matter of the growth process, I think, because of everything I have endured and everything I went through and all of the, the time spent thinking if I can just 
be better, get better, like be healed of whatever I'm dealing with at the time. If it could have just been a Mr. Clean magic eraser and everything would have magically been fixed. I don't know that I would be the same person I am. And because I am the person I am, I am able to show that love to the younger people coming up underneath me. Like I talked about with my camp kids last last episode. Man, it gets a little existential, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't everything. <laughs> I, I can't what, think what about, you, about anything. What about you, Brendan? You, you asked two deep questions, Brendan. How I know, you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it makes me, it makes, I, I don't know why I am like stuck in Bible mode right now. So I'm like thinking of another Bible Preach story. It, man. Get into it. So there's the, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the, um, the story of the um, Syrophoenician woman from the gospels. It's told a couple different ways. They, the, the woman has a different ethnicity and like a couple different of the gospels. And it's kind of a little different each way, but is it each the time... Samaritan woman at the well? Question mark. No, no. Because okay. that one's in John, and John is like very different from the other three gospels. Yeah. So I don't remember which gospel specifically it's in. It might be in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or just two of them, and it's like a different ethnicity in two of them. I don't remember, but I remember the version that's the Syrophoenician woman specifically. Um, but whatever it was, it was a people group that the Jews were racist against ultimately. Yeah. And it's ultimately, and this is my opinion, it's ultimately a story of Jesus being confronted with his own racism and how he handles that. There is just this story where she, she asks to be, I can't remember if she asked to be healed or if she asked for her daughter to be healed. I think she asked for her daughter to be healed. And Jesus's reply is, why would I give, why would I waste like my food on the dogs? Mm -hmm. And um, basically it was a racial slur. And uh, her reply was even dogs deserve scraps from under the table. And Jesus's response was never have I seen faith like this person, your mm -hmm. daughter is healed. And I was always very confused about this story partly because I was stuck in that evangelical mindset where I'm like, Jesus can't be racist. So what's going on here? And so there's like all the gymnastics that you do to be like, he wasn't racist, but it's like reality is, you know, he was part of a, it, it was his context. It was his context. And when his context was challenged, he was open-hearted. He learned and he adapted and he increased his awareness, but um, I digress, but in, in terms of that specifically, I think of like, what was the faith that she had? And it was like, really, she her the faith that she had was in her own self-worth. Mm. Like, she was like, I deserve good things. Ooh, that's good. And like, you're going to give it to me. And it was like, not in like a, I mean, I can't, I don't know yeah. what her tone was because obviously this is a story. I don't, it doesn't exist in that, but like. My, my brain says it probably wasn't the money, please. Yeah. Like, but it was like, she, it was, <laughs> she, she advocated for herself. Yeah. And I think to, um, again, I'm going to butcher this verse. I don't remember where it is. It's in Hebrews, but there is this, the author of Hebrews whoever they are, um, talked about faith and faith in terms of God is looking for the faithful one 
who will stand firm as like i forget they i just remember there is this very like visceral like shaking that happens and it's like god is like shaking the world looking for the people that will like remain that will stand mm. and like i don't know why but that that imagery always stuck with me and for whatever reason i've married it to the story of the syrophoenician woman mm. and so it's like to me it's like faith is ultimately having the courage to stand in the midst of shame, to say, no, my shame, the shame you are putting on me does not define me. The identities that you put on me do not define me. Mm. I am worthy of love and belonging exactly as I am. And um, I am worthy of this miracle. And so it's like, to me, it's like, I think the like the work of faith is to find that ability in ourselves to stand and also to choose to believe in the um, how do I want to say this? I'm gonna borrow something from my supervisor from our supervision that we had today. <laughs> so I, I work under like a um, a licensed. Person. I'm a limited licensed uh, mental health professional right now. And she was talking about how it's like, you know, when we're faced with something, we have a choice to make. And she's like, and for me, she's like, I, I would rather choose to believe the choice that makes me feel better. Not in a like a way, but she's like, when I walk into a room and like people are laughing, I could believe one of two things. I could believe I'm walking in this room and people are laughing at me, or I could believe people are laughing at a joke that has nothing to do with me at all. And she was like, what is gonna be the more helpful thing for me to believe in this mm. moment? And I, I think like that is kind of the work of faith is it's like, at least for me and my experiences, how can we learn to cling to the things that are going to be helpful for us to believe? And how can we let go of the things that are not beneficial? Mm. So I, that's, I, that was a lot, but when I think about me 15, 10, five years ago, maybe more like 15, 10 years ago, I think that's kind of what I would hope to convey is um, the sense of worthiness and who they are right now. And that that is kind of fighting for that in yourself is like the essence and the work of faith in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're about at that time. So. Yeah, I like uh, <laughs> wrapping these episodes with Brendan just dropping a bomb on us. <laughs> like, Hi, I'm going to be thinking about this until the next time we record. Yeah. I hope you know that. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, if you, if you want prayer requests or if, if you have prayer requests, things you want us to pray for, or just stuff you want to talk out, uh, this is a reminder that you can find a link to our discord at refugefaith.org. That's our web address, right? <laughs> but yeah, you can come hang out with us and like actually discuss your thoughts on this poem, because I think that would be really cool to hear y'all's take on it. Yes. Uh, Cause yeah. again, this it's short little poem and we've talked about it for an hour so <laughs> obviously we have thoughts like you said let's hear yours or just come yeah. tell us what you did so, for pride because be I'm, I'm very excited to hear 
all of yes. the fun stuff going on. Yes, leave yes, your pride please. photos. And pictures. Uh, pictures. I need y'all to yeah. know that I have yes. uh, a non-binary and a bisexual pride flag mounted on the front of my house, but we also have a crabapple tree that is too close to the house. And so the wind caught the flags in the tree and yoinked them both out of their mounts. And so no. my crab apple tree uh, was saying by pride, uh, but no trans rights because it dropped the non-binary flag on the ground. Oh, no. All right. So Pip, if you can, um, as we wrap up this time of reflection and discussion and just all good things as usual, um, how about if you could just read the poem one last time? Yeah, through. one last run at uh, Jesus at the Gay Bar. He's here in the midst of it, right at the center of the dance floor, robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin. At some point in the evening, a boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this. And he will reach his arms out, sweat damp and weary from dance. He'll cup this boy's face in his hand and say, my beautiful child, there is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. Thanks a lot. All right, everyone, we will... Uh... See you on the next podcast or on the Discord. Come hang. We'll see you next time. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Thank you for listening to this episode of Refuge Radio, hosted by Brendan Bell and Gaines Taylor, with assistance from Piper Jones. We'd like to thank our friend Crystal Jeffers at inclusionaudio.com for editing our show and making us sound as good as possible. If you'd like to learn more about Refuge Radio and the Refuge Faith community, you can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at refuge underscore faith, or you can find more information, including links to our community Discord and Facebook group at our website, refugefaith.org. We would absolutely love to connect with you, especially if you have feedback or ideas for guests we can have on the show. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.